This is a CBC Podcast. I want you to take a second and consider what you're wearing. Look down. Why did you choose it? What little puzzle pieces that make you you led to this particular ensemble? Even if you're wearing your favorite pandemic sweatpants for the fifth day running, you are making a statement. Clinical psychologists who study the psychology of dress, yes, that is a real field, have been observing for years how clothes can have an enormous impact on how you're seen, how you see yourself, and how you access the world. But really, we all know this innately from how we feel when we're wearing just the right thing, or especially just the wrong thing. But there is one item, I'd wager, that is more totemic, more symbolic than any other item in your closet, your bag, or more specifically, if you carry one, your purse. Come on now, it is a known fact that a woman do carry an evening bag at dinner time. An evening bag is a must. That's a clip from the classic documentary film, Paris is Burning. The doc chronicles ballroom culture in 1980s New York, exploring questions of race, class, gender, and sexuality. And a purse is one of the ways all those factors intersect and play out. That clip gets at something that, this past year, felt prescient for Shimshan Obedia. Shimshan is a transgender non-binary person. And for them, a purse, it is way more than just an accessory. It's self-actualization. I'm AC Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. Today, Shimshan's quest to find the perfect purse and the surprising connection this one little accessory is helping them make with themselves and their grandmother. Shimshan will take it from here. When I was about six years old, I stole a purse. It was a light pink frilly coin purse with a metal ball clasp, and it was just big enough to hold my miniature diary. But nobody told me I couldn't have it. It wasn't even expensive. My parents and I were at a thrift store. I stole it because... I didn't know how else to ask for it. I didn't have the language to express the complex feelings around my gender that I was going through at that age. I didn't think someone like me, someone who was assigned male at birth, that is, was even allowed to want a purse. But there it was, frilly and pink and on the wrong side of the toy aisle, calling to me stirring up something I couldn't name, but felt so damn right. So I turned back to my assigned side, grabbed a big yellow plastic toy boat that opened up at the top, shoved the person there, and then asked my mom for the boat. I never wore the purse out anywhere. I was so ashamed of how I'd gotten it that I thought just wearing it might get me labeled as a thief, or worse. So instead, I kept the purse in my closet along with a lot of the rest of me for a very long time. I had to go on something of a process of discovery to not just figure out why the gender I was assigned at birth doesn't fit who I feel I am, 
but also how to embody the gender I actually am. For a long time, I thought I only had two options. I could be a boy, or I could be a girl. And no matter what I chose, once I chose, I'd have to pass 100%. So I spent my high school and university years identifying as a bisexual man. An increasingly uncomfortable one who I didn't recognize when I looked in the mirror. But the turmoil of living a lie started to take a real toll on me mentally and physically. I was aggressively overeating to dissociate with my body. I was neglecting friendships and putting very little work into my romantic life as I stopped feeling the effort was worth it. Truthfully, I was at a point where I didn't know if I could survive forced into the confines of that ever more suffocating closet. In the end, I chose me, the authentic, real me, the version of myself that could keep surviving. It took a long time to figure out I'm non-binary, a gender identity that's not male or female. Fueled with the gender euphoria of finally accepting myself, I was ready to show this person off to the world. I bought my first skirt, I watched makeup tutorials online, I was talking with my doctor about getting my legal gender marker on official documents changed. And then the COVID-19 pandemic hit. I used the time in isolation to build up a new wardrobe, give myself a few good and some not so good makeovers. I found a peer support group for trans and gender diverse folk in my area to connect online with, where I discovered a community of people who had gone through many of the same struggles I was facing. I even started telling people my truth, one Zoom call at a time, before announcing it to social media on July 14th, 2020 for International Non-Binary People's Day. It wasn't the big coming out party I'd wanted to throw and tell everyone in my life at once, but this gradual coming out experience let me build up the strength to embrace myself. The me I thought I'd lost along with my first roughly pink purse. There's just one small caveat with coming out in isolation. You don't get many opportunities to practice strutting your stuff. When I walk into a room now, I want to be seen. But... During the pandemic, my biggest weekly outings have been masked forays for groceries or picking up packages from the post office. So I've had plenty of time to prepare for when opportunity knocks. There's a few different ways I've thought about going about it. I could let my outfits do the talking, maybe strike a fancy pose or say something casually witty to make an entrance. But I think my favorite approach 
is the one Bob the Drag Queen famously advocated for in her debut single, Purse First. It is a known fact that a woman do carry your evening bag at dinner time. You see it on Real Housewives of Atlanta. You see it on Real Housewives of Potomac. You even see it on Little Women LA. I don't know why you all gagging. Not only had I not had any chances to go out for a night in over a year, but even if I wanted to, even if I just wanted to strut my stuff down to the coffee shop, there was a missing piece of me still buried deep in my closet. My ill-gotten thrift shop purse. I'd started sewing pockets into my skirts and carrying around a big brown felted men's satchel whenever I needed to bring along a few more things. But it never felt quite right. Somehow a purse, an actual effeminate evening bag, pocketbook, or wallet clutch of a purse had become so much more of a line to cross than anything else thus far. Yeah, there are a lot of options. Which ones are speaking to you? Uh, there's this, like, I don't know, there's like a seafoam green here, which I like the color, mm-hmm. but I know it's going to be too small for, like, the bazillion things I carry with me. But it's, like, a really simple, like, zip, and, like, it's got a wrist strap, and that's it. And it's just, I love the simplicity of it, and I love the color. It's like a nice little clutch for going out. Yeah. I'm out thrifting with my friend Jade Walters. Living in the Okanagan Valley, a place rife with retirees, I figure I'll have a much better chance of finding my perfect purse amongst the many donations from every era and then some. It also doesn't hurt that Jay grew up here, making them a pretty pro thrifter and amazing shopping buddy. This bag would be really nice, but it's missing the shoulder strap. Yeah, that's one of those things where, like, every time I see a bag that's missing shoulder straps, I think, hmm, should I just, like, hunt down a matching shoulder strap, or should I keep looking? Or find a different shoulder strap and mix and match. Jade's become something of a guide for me on my gender journey. They came out much earlier in life than I did, and although I'm a couple years older than her, she's been out of the closet quite a few years more than me, and learned quite a lot along the way. This is why I've asked them to help me today. When I picture the perfect purse, I see something bright. Dyed leather or an ecstatic vinyl. I want pockets, dividers, enough organization to hold all the many knickknacks I can't do without, but without the clutter. It's gotta have zippers or buttons or magnetic clasps. Something easy to open, but secure enough to withstand my constant clumsiness. A shoulder strap is a must, but so is a handle of some sort because I'm not always going to want it across my chest. And most importantly, I want it to be pretty. I want it to make me feel pretty when I wear it. I want someone to see it and say, hey, I love your purse, and for me to feel like it fits when I hear that. The purse and the compliment. However, I'm not quite there yet because every time I see a purse like that, I turn away and go for something else. So Jade's helping me get through these conflicting feelings. After all, she's been here herself. When I first came out, finding the right bag seemed like an imperative, but now that I have a couple of bags that I like, it doesn't really seem to be that big of an issue. 
I think when I first transitioned, I did a thing that a lot of people do, which is I, I immediately gravitate towards like high femme. I found myself a nice like pleatherette bag and was like, this is my aesthetic now. And for a while that really worked for me. And uh, while I still do like occasionally see uh, bags that are quite a bit more feminine that I find myself very drawn to, over time I've really found myself gravitating to just tote bags. Just plain black rectangular tote bags with a graphic on them. I like sewing up holes and like using a funky colored thread to show that like, yeah, I've kind of Frankensteined this, but I've also kind of Frankensteined myself and I'm happier for it. I'm starting to think that maybe this is why you go shopping for purses with a friend. It's not just the ritual of looking for a new bag with friends and perhaps stopping for brunch before or after the find. It's about being found, held, and embraced by others. Like, well, a purse. Which one uh, stands out to you the most right now? Oh, that's a tough one. <sighs> After a long day of thrifting, I think we finally narrowed it down to a couple of purses I wanted to buy. But while I really like these two, I'm not sure either really feels like it's the one yet. They both make me feel great when I wear them, so now I've just got to find out how well they hold up in the real world. Uh, check out then. Hi there. Hi. Hi again. I'm gonna get both of those. Do you folks take card? Yes, we do. So it would be $13 altogether. Oh, wow. That is incredible. Thank you. It's been weeks in and weeks out, switching these up, wearing them wherever I go, and I'm finally starting to feel like purses fit into my life, as if they've been there the whole time waiting for their moment to shine. This all started off as a search for the perfect purse. But what I'm realizing is that I was looking for so much more. I hadn't seen my grandparents in Toronto for almost half a decade. I think I'd been trying to freeze things like they were before I came out. When I first came out, I tried explaining things over the phone because they don't really do Zoom all that much. But I was never sure what exactly was getting through. It only made it easier to keep things frozen the way they were. I wanted them to know the person they helped me grow into. I wanted to have a relationship where I could be my whole self with them again. So I made a trip to Toronto. I arrived at my grandparents' North Toronto condo for dinner, wearing a light pink patterned dress I'd hemmed to cut off at the thigh and tapered to fit my frame with a thick leather belt around my waist. It had a collar I could clip a pronoun pin to and sleeves I rolled up just above my elbows. My hair was up in a couple fluffy curled pigtails with black and purple handmade scrunchies my boyfriend gave me, and I was wearing titanium stud earrings in my freshly pierced ears to match the silver chain of my turquoise Laramar geode pendant necklace. A few weeks later, I call up my grandmother on another Zoom call. It's late on a Friday, just before I know she'll be 
sitting down for Shabbat dinner and turning off electronic devices for the Sabbath. I'm a little afraid of jeopardizing a good thing here, but I want to ask her, uh, what did you think uh, of what I looked like? Um, I I saw Shimshon. That's it. This is my paternal grandmother, Dahlia Obedia, who I call my mummy Dahlia, a grandparent title of her own design. And I am talking to Shimshon and uh, what else? No, that's, that's great, yeah. Originally from Morocco, she brought the traditional ballet dancing of her home to Canada as a professional dancer. Her personality is reflected well in everything from her dance-inspired outfits to her choice of familial title and, naturally, her bags. Hand-stitched, woven, broad, natural fibers, and a few sequins for flash are her usual picks. It doesn't matter to me what you are wearing, what you feel you are. Uh, to me, simple. And and very tasteful style, the the way you dressed, and I don't know. You smile, you smile took over the whole thing, and and uh, I cannot tell you as a girl or as a boy, but the way you dress now, you dressing the way you feel. When I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time at Mommy Dahlia's place. In her home studio, I would dress up in her costumes and wrap myself in the endless veils she kept. I made it a game for me and my siblings to play. We called it I'm Mummy Dahlia, and it was my absolute favorite. Yeah, you used to use a lot of the word, let's pretend, because that was a solution for all of us. If we don't have something, right away you said, okay, let's pretend. And then there were her purses to complete the look. With this final piece to any outfit, I would complete my transformation and become the woman I admired most. For this, she would let me pick out of her closet. I'd throw the purse over my shoulder and embark on the activity my grandmother and I shared a passion for, second for her, only to dancing. As I declared aloud, I'm going shopping. And then... I could dutifully go around her house, as I'd seen her do in boutiques all along Queen Street, picking items as they pleased me, requesting that my grandparents, of course, put it on my card. Well, uh, when you were much younger, I was helping you to dress up. You dressed up, and you were the, you wore the character of the dressing also. You took the walk of whoever you pretended to be. Yeah. At my mommy Dahlia's house, I never felt judged for the characters I took on because I suspect she always knew on some level that the characters I escaped into were actually me. Uh, could you say it again? Non, bi, what's the word? Binary. Okay. Mommy Daya can sometimes stumble over the newer language around gender that I've added to her vocabulary, and in one of a couple languages she's fluent in, that is. That's no problem with me. She's got the concept faster than most anyone else who knew me before I came out. She just gets it. Even when I ask her 
what she thinks of this new Shimshan she saw in front of her after so many years of looking like someone else entirely. Maybe subconsciously when I saw you come in and dressed like a girl and like a boy because you didn't shave your legs and you, you are both, you are what you are, Shimshan. So I was not, I was not surprised. I don't have to think about it. It's not me to think. You are happy. And why should I, why should I give you my opinion? I love that. I, I love that, that that's your attitude, that you, you just see it as is. That, that makes me really happy. And it makes you happy when you wear it. Well, that's like the most important part. Yeah. Before this Zoom call, I said to Mommy Daya that I was seeking some advice. But if I understand, you're looking for the best purse? Suddenly, she's all business. She has some deep feelings about purses. And that's especially the case when it comes to the dozens upon dozens of ones she owns. Yeah, some people wear a a purse that is too practical. I find that boring, for me, boring. When I go out, I decide what purse am I having today? So from the purse, I know what mood I'm in. And what, then I follow by the clothes, but the purse number one. <laughs> if you were picking a purse for today, what one of your purses would you pick? Okay, do you want me to go and pick it up and show it to you? Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. Okay, hold on. You see this one? Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's a knapsack and it's brown. What I like about it, it has... After big family dinners at my grandparents' place, my grandmother has something of a ritual she does nearly every time without fail. She takes the women of the family into her bedroom and encourages them to shop her closet. She always has an exuberant flair for what she wears. And by the time dessert comes around, my mommy Dahlia has usually figured out exactly how every woman at the table's wardrobe could be improved with something from her own. I'd never been invited to join this ritual. Until the last time I saw her. The first time she saw me wearing the truth that's always been visible to her. This time, she asked me to join her with the girls. Do you remember how um, after dinner... You you gave me something? Oh, yeah. When I saw that purse, I thought of you right away. It was, it was spontaneous. With you, I was so happy. She's open. He, Shimshon is open. And, like, I didn't give you things I don't wear anymore. I give you things I like and share them and have you have them. I wanted to be able to ask for, you know, the, the dresses and the things that you're, you're given from your costumes. But I felt like unless we were playing in your studio, I, I couldn't put it on for some reason. I couldn't figure out what that feeling was. I'm very happy to hear you talking about it this way. When I see you uh, wearing the purse I gave you, uh, I feel 
part of me is alive there. It's very touching for me. It's only the truth from inside coming out and being here instead of being hidden. It means so much to me that you, you created that, that space for me to, to be able to be myself. It, it just, it's a wonderful feeling. So thank you so much, Mommy Daya. And I thank you. I love this purse from Mommy Daya. It's just so me. It's also so Mommy Dahlia. The light green suede texture, its sturdy envelope frame, the hidden pockets, and, of course, its glowing chrome clasp and shoulder strap extending chains to accommodate both mine and my grandmother's impressive heights. On top of that, this purse is a constant reminder that I have a place to be held in my family, that my trans-feminine identity is embraced by someone I love so much. Oh, there's something I have to tell you. I think you created a very beautiful feeling. You left a beautiful feeling in us, and we were all happy suddenly because you were completely yourself. So the light of who you are came out. And we were so happy about that. So, is this the end? Is this the perfect purse? Well, no. But neither is the new rectangular double-zippered yellow purse I use day-to-day. Jade helped me find that after a long and exciting hunt through endless thrift store aisles. I wonder if the purse I find now is just the purse for me now. One thing I do know for certain though, is that I don't ever have to steal a purse in shame, nor hide it away in my closet again. Because when I walk into a room, I know there's only one way to do it. Purse first, purse first. Walk to the room, purse first. Purse first. Shimshan Obadia. That doc was produced by Shimshan with Jennifer Warren and Kevin Ball. It was edited by me and Allison Cook. These sweet beats and dulcet tones are Purse First by Bob the Drag Queen. To see photos of Shimshan and Mummy Dahlia's purses, head to our website. It is a full-blown walk-in closet. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. The Doc Project is produced by Tanara McLean, Joan Weber, and me. Althea Manassen is our digital producer, and our interim senior producer is Allison Cook. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.